Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Hebrews, the eighth chapter, I'm going to read into your hearing uh, verses 1 through 13. It's actually the entire chapter. And if you would, if you're able, if your legs are strong and you're still able, go on and uh, go ahead and stand to your feet. I see uh, Craig and Bree Allen. Y'all are back in the house early. Just had a baby. And so we thank and praise God for that. Thank and praise God for that. I heard that Rakia and Trish were going to be my help this morning. And so I'm expecting, I'm expecting some help. Hebrews, the eighth chapter, reading from the English Standard Version. How Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer Now, if we are on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you uh, on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better." since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant." And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more." And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The very words of Scripture. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Do want to also, before I jump in, say hello to Mama Flago and uh, and the whole Flago crew that's back there, Carissa and Kirk and and Carol, uh, Sister Kaylee's. Uh, brother-in-law and sisters, and everybody's in the house, so we're, we're uh, excited to, that you're with us this morning. When I was in elementary school, they had a couple of classes that were more important than the other classes, right? There, there were certain classes uh, that they would never say it out loud, but you really just knew by the way uh, that your curriculum was set up that these classes are more important than these other classes. Uh, and so you might be thinking to yourself, I wonder what classes those are. Uh, one of those classes was English, and another one of those classes was math. And another one of those classes, Mama Roper, was handwriting. Handwriting. 
And, and so one of the things that they would have us do in practicing our handwriting, it wasn't just something uh, that, that you would do that, uh, that you just did the uppercase letters and the lowercase letters. No, we would write paragraphs in cursive. Uh, and so you would write paragraph after paragraph in cursive, and you would get graded on the spacing and the beauty of the loops and things like that. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and they, they wanted to make sure that you could write with precision and, uh, and that you could write with excellence. Uh, and after you got through the paragraphs, you would move on to writing whole papers, like front and back in cursive, capitalized and lowercase. And, and you just hoped to God, you just prayed to God in the process of writing uh, that you did not make a mistake. And, and if you made a mistake, uh, what would happen is you would have to, uh, a decision on your hands, right? You would be in the midst of a conundrum. Do I ball this paper up and throw it away, or do I pull out the whiteout? And so you'd pull out the whiteout hoping that you could, uh, you could retain this paper and, and you could bring it back to life. And, and so you would, you would put the whiteout on that word that you needed to replace or change, and you would, uh, you would wait for it to, to dry and then you would hope that your pen would give the perfect burst of ink so that you could salvage that paper, right? Now, imagine all of those things are true and real, uh, and, and you get graded on your handwriting, and you can't edit, you can't go back, you, you got to get it right the first time, or at least you've got to be able to do really good with the whiteout. Add on to all of this that your boy is left-handed. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? That means that while all you right-handed people were just sort of sweeping across the page, right, able to write things at half time uh, and able to make all your beautiful letters without having to smudge any of the ink with your giant palm. Y'all didn't know there was such a thing as right-handed privilege, but there is. It's right-handed <laughs> privilege. And, and they put the wires on the left side of the notebook and my hand, you like your hand, so you got to like hook your hand. Y'all ever seen Barack Obama, right? This is the reason why he had that issue, because you got to hook your hand around the wires in order, in order to write. Uh, and, 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 and eventually, after, after a while, after you watched all of your classmates turn in their papers before you, better loops and better spacing, all of that stuff, right? Uh, and, and just in case you didn't need to pull out the whiteout and you got it together and they're grading you on stuff that really other people got a, a, a leg up on you and because and you're left-handed and then you get done. And, 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 and eventually, something happened, something changed. They introduced the personal computer. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you can use all your fingers, right? So you're writing faster. You don't need uh, the specifics on comparing and contrasting your uh, legibility of your words to other people because now it's just one letter. That letter looks the same for everybody, right? And then if you make a mistake, you can backspace and delete and rework. And then all of a sudden, if you don't know how to spell a word... That thing will help you spell too. <laughs> and then eventually, over the course of time, what happened? Handwriting class began to fall from the curriculum. What happened? It became obsolete because the personal computer was better. 
As we get ready to come to our passage this morning, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is communicating that the covenant that God made to Moses in the Old Testament has been superseded by the covenant he makes through his son, Jesus Christ. And the author explains why the covenant God makes through his son is a better covenant. It is based on a better priest and based on better promises. It is uh, better than the old one. And in turn, the reality is on this side of Jesus Christ, the old one is beginning to fade from the curriculum. If there was a big idea that I wanted to stick with you that you could uh, write down in your notes, it's this idea that lifts itself from the pages of Hebrews chapter 8, that Jesus makes a better covenant. Jesus makes a better covenant. I, w- I want to preach from the subject this morning, a new era. A new era. It's a new era because we got a better priest. And it's a new era because we got better promises. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness towards us for the opportunity to gather together to sing to you, even for the opportunity to give back in response to your generosity towards us. And now I pray as we get ready to open up your word that you would open up our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So by way of reminder and maybe by introduction to some, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of Jewish believers who are contemplating going back to their old practice of Judaism. Uh, So in their particular context, they lived in a Roman world uh, where Judaism was uh, was accepted. It was uh, it wasn't liked, but it was accepted. And and yet this idea of Christianity to the Romans meant that Caesar wasn't king, but Jesus was king. And so the Christians would catch it from the Romans, and then on the other side, we would read uh, in the book of Acts that stories, the beginning days of the church, that people like Saul, who became Paul, would persecute the church, these Jewish religious leaders, because they were an offshoot of Judaism. And so they were catching it from the Roman side, they were catching it from the Jewish side, and they were contemplating this idea of going back to their old practice of Judaism. And the author of the book of Hebrews writes to them to tell Tell them that Jesus is better and to keep going, that Jesus is better and to keep going. As we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, and Pastor D uh, explained to us that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, some of y'all are looking like, what kind of name is Melchizedek? Who would name their child Melchizedek? I don't understand uh, this idea of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is just an old-time priest that shows up in the book of Genesis before God established the old covenant with the people of Israel. Israel and the priesthood of Moses and Aaron. Uh, So his priesthood, in other words, is communicating that Jesus's priesthood in connection to this guy Melchizedek was before any of the priests of the old covenant, and it's going to last after any of the priests of the old covenant. It is an eternal priesthood. But then the author of the book of Hebrews goes a step further. Look with me at verse 1 and 2. He says, Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, here it is, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. 
a true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Now, we saw a a few weeks ago that the presence of God requires a mediator. The presence of God requires a mediator. Why does the presence of God require a mediator? It's because the presence of God is nuclear. Like literally, God is morally perfect. God uh, is so powerful that he created all the things that exist in existence, right? So to look at the face of God would be to look at the source of everything that you have ever said. That's remarkable. To look at the face of God would be to look into the face of the source of everything that ever took your breath away. To look into the face of the presence of God would be to look in one moment in time at the source of everything that you've ever said was beautiful. It would be a sensory overload. Uh, it, would, it would be like a piece of tissue paper trying to make it through a bonfire. We said that a few weeks ago. That would be what it would be like to stand in the presence of God. Now, God, after 450 years of slavery for the people of Israel in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, uh, they have now made their way to Mount Sinai, and, uh, and God wants to establish a relationship with the people of Israel. And, and so he says to them, I'm going to come to the top of the mountain, and I'm going to speak to the people myself. And God shows up to the top of the mountain, begins to speak to the people of Israel, and they say to Moses, Moses, tell him to stop speaking. If he keeps talking, we're going to die. Literally, we're going to disintegrate. You go for us. We'll listen to what he says to you. You relay it back to us. And so that's exactly what happens. So then uh, the the author of the book of Hebrews uh, tells us that because the presence of God is nuclear, there needs to be a mediator. And so God establishes from Exodus 19 on through Exodus chapter 40, the priesthood and the sacrificial system so that imperfect people could interact with an all-powerful, holy God. And so that's, in essence, what ends up happening. The people, uh, the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system, uh, it was a reminder of what happened at Mount Sinai. It was a reflection of Mount Sinai. The people of Israel stood at the bottom of the mountain. Uh, The priests stood at the middle of the mountain, and Moses went to the top of the mountain into the presence of God. That's why there's three separations within the tabernacle and within the temple. Uh, So the priesthood that God established with the Israelites was something that had to be done over and over and over and over again. They had to go back in to make sacrifice. They had to go back in to make sacrifice. They had to go back in to make sacrifice. And there was no sitting in the tabernacle. There, there there, There was no sitting because the work was never finished. The work was never done. And so the priest would have to go back in over and over and over again uh, and, and the author says that Jesus is a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Now, what does that mean? It means that the tabernacle and the tent and the temple is all a picture of something else, a picture of something better, a picture uh, of something that is uh, is real. It is, it is a model. He says in verse 4, now if we were on earth, he would not be a priest at all since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve, here it is, a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. A copy and shadow of the heavenly things. So what is he saying? 
He's saying that the sacrificial system, the priesthood, the tabernacle, the temple, all of that stuff that show up from Exodus 19 as a part of the old covenant, those are pictures, those are models of the actual presence of God or what it would be like to come into the actual presence of God. Y'all know what a model is? A model. I remember my granddad, he, uh, he loves, uh, he loved Toyota, right? He loved Toyota. He Toyota vehicles, right? He, he loved them. Uh, and so he would swear by this, this old Toyota Crescent. I drove this car for 10 years. Only thing I ever, ever had to do, I had to change the oil. I had to change the tires. I never had to fix anything on that Toyota Crescent. But then he retired, and he had always wanted a Cadillac, right? Always wanted a Cadillac. So he gets him a, a 1986 Cadillac Eldorado, right? White uh, white on the outside, burgundy leather interior. It was his thing. White walls on the side. Uh, he loved that car, right? Uh, Cadillac Eldorado. And, uh, and so he had that car for a little while, and then he started to have all these types of issues with the car, right? All these types of issues started happening with this Cadillac. And, and so he said, man, I'm, I'm getting rid of this Cadillac. So he gets rid of the Cadillac, and he decides then I'm going to not just buy a Toyota, but I'm going to buy the luxury version of Toyota. So he went and got him a Lexus sedan. Y'all know that Lexus is the luxury version of Toyota. And so he went and got him a Lexus sedan. And if you spent more than five minutes with my grandfather, he'd tell you, boy, I had this Lexus sedan. Only thing I ever had to do to it was change the oil and change the tires. I never had to go and fix anything on that car. Y'all need to get yourself a Toyota or a Lexus. They're the best cars you could ever have. And so one day I was in the store with my mom and we were walking through the aisles, and I saw a model of a, a Lexus sedan. I saw a model of this Lexus sedan, and I said, I said to my mom, we got to get this uh, model of the Lexus sedan and take it to Grandpa as, as a gift, and he loved that model. He was proud of that model. He, he loved it probably because, uh, because I gave it to him, and, and probably, uh, you know, he, he held on to it because it was a reminder of his favorite car, right? And, uh, and so he died, and I found that model still in the package uh, in his things. He loved, he loved that car. Now, nobody would uh, look at that model and say to themselves, boy, I bet that thing drives real smooth. I bet the acceleration on that Lexus model, I bet that thing just gets zero to 60 in no time. I bet that thing steers with buttery smoothness that Lexus is known for. I, I bet it is an, an incredible driving machine, right? Nobody would say that. Why? Because it's a model. And the, and the real thing is outside in the driveway. And in essence, what the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to communicate to you and me is that that old covenant promise that God gave to the people of Israel with the tabernacle and the sacrificial system and, uh, and the temple, all of that stuff was a model of the actual thing. And in essence, what, what he's saying is that this high priest that you and I have, who is a high priest with a better covenant based on better promises, has gone into the actual presence of God, the thing that the actual, the, the actual thing that the model represented. And the Bible says that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that when the priest in the Old Testament 
always had to continually make sacrifice and sacrifice after sacrifice, and the Bible says that Jesus sat down in the actual presence of God, it means that the work is finished. It's complete. Because it didn't happen in the things set up by men. It didn't happen uh, in the particular details of what God had shown Moses because that was a model. It happened in the actual presence of of God. We have a better high priest. And so the author of the book of Hebrews goes on and says, not only do we have a, a, better, uh, a better priest, but he says that we, uh, we have better promises as a part of this new covenant. Look with me at verse 6 of chapter 8. He says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. It is a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as it is mediated on better and enacted on better promises. Now, for the sake of clarity, let's just define uh, covenant real quick because it's not something that we use in our modern vernacular. Uh, my friend, he's a, he's a pastor and also scholar in, in Los Angeles. He defines covenant this way. He says, a covenant is a binding relationship based on vows that make people as close as family. A covenant is a binding relationship based on vows that make people as close as family. Now, in Exodus 19, when the people of Israel have been set free, God establishes this relationship with them. He doesn't want to just set them free. He wants a relationship with them. We're introduced to the new, new covenant details. And if we could summarize, or excuse me, we're introduced to the old covenant details. And if we could summarize the old covenant, all the details will come after Exodus 19, 4 and 5. But this is the summer, summarization of uh, that old covenant in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 5. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, for if you, now, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. All you have to do is keep your end of the bargain. Now, if you were to look at the uh, Old Testament, what you would quickly realize is that the people of Israel didn't take long for them to break their end of that covenant promise, even though they said, yeah, we ascribe to that. We'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that, Moses, right? And, and so you look at their lives and you realize very early on they become disobedient to the covenant that they had made with God. That's why the author says in verse 7, for if that first covenant, speaking of the Exodus 19 covenant, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Verse 8, for he finds fault with them when he says, and the author then begins to quote from Jeremiah 31, the fault wasn't with God. No, the fault was with the people. They, they didn't keep their end of the covenant, and yet God does not forget about them. He doesn't say, forget about y'all. I'm on to, my, I'm on to the next. I'm on to doing whatever I, I want to do. No, uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13 uh, captures the character and nature of God as the apostle Paul says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot dis disown himself. So here's the picture. Israel disobeys the covenant. 
But God still pursues them. He still goes after them. He's still trying to make connection with them and get their attention. So much so that in Jeremiah 31, at the time of the Babylonian captivity, this period of 70 years when the people of Israel were taken into bondage and slavery again, uh, that God makes a promise to, th- to them through the prophet Jeremiah, which in essence is the new covenant. He says uh, in verse 8 and 9 of Hebrews 8, which is a quotation of Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. Verses 10 through 12, here's the new covenant. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Uh, What ended up happening with the people of Israel is that they were either openly disobedient to God uh, or to the law of God, or they uh, did the the rules of the law without any connection of heart or faith. Uh, And in this new covenant... God promises to write the law not just on paper, but on their hearts. Not only does he promise to uh, give them uh, 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 the law on their hearts, but he promises to give them a new heart. Not only does he promise to give them a new heart, but he promises to give them a new spirit that is his spirit that secures them as adopted sons and daughters of his, but then empowers them and enables them with new desires and new loves to actually obey God. As a matter of fact, in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, it talks about this, and the words will come up on the screen. God says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And there's going to be this new relationship in this new covenant. There's going to be an uh, an intimacy that's unique in this new covenant. From the least to the greatest, they're they're not going to say, know the Lord. You can know the Lord for yourself. You can can have an intimacy and knowledge of God and, and relationship with him through this new covenant because now the Holy Spirit through faith in him is going to reside on the inside of you. We we have new desires and new loves with this new heart. That's what he promises to give us. He he doesn't say, he doesn't Beyonce on folks and say to the left, to the left, everything you own in the box to the left. No, he says, I'm going to do something new because you couldn't keep your end of the bargain. I'm actually going to provide for you what you could not do for yourself so that we can be in relationship. How is that possible, Pastor Steve? It's possible because Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 says this. Jesus speaking, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, He says, I have not come to abolish those things. I've come to fulfill them in myself. But then he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, how would any of our righteousness exceed that of the religious leaders of Jesus's day? By grace. Because now, because Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could not live and obeyed the law perfectly as a human being, though he was fully God, died sacrificially in our place and for our sins and rose in victory over Satan, sin, and death, he fulfilled that old covenant. And now on this side of things, gives us a new heart with new desires, with the Holy Spirit empowered, with the Holy Spirit empowered to live and love God. You see, he kept all of the law perfectly. And the reason why we can have a righteousness that exceeds those is that by faith in him, he gives us his righteousness. He kept the law perfectly so that now by faith in him, we get united to him as if we fulfilled the old law while receiving the promises of the new covenant. That's good news. But here's the thing. All of that is incredible. New heart, Holy Spirit empowered, uh, intimacy and relationship with God. We, we don't have to, uh, we, we get to have that from the, from the least to the greatest. Like anybody could know, like, oh, that's crazy, right? And yet some of us really love that old stuff. We, we like that new covenant stuff, like that's cool in the game. But we like that old stuff, man. We, we, like that old, we like that old pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We, we like that old, man, I check the boxes. I dotted my I's. I crossed my T's, man. I, we like that old sort of like, man, I did all of this stuff for you, God. Now, now you got to do some stuff for me. I, I've been, I've been doing, I've been, it, we, we love that transactional stuff, right? We, we love that, man, you're in my debt for this because I've done all the right things. And we like to look at other people and say, see, they not doing all that stuff for you. And I'm doing all this stuff for you. So you got to do something for me. Some of us, we like that old, we like that old stuff. We like that. We like that old stuff. We like that uh, uh, to that that person who's who's listing online, or that person in in, in a room with this size. I, I, I bet there's a, a person like this who uh, who you 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 love to do all the right things and be able to say that you're uh, you're a good person, and because of that, God uh, God ought to uh, ought to uh, ought to do stuff for you. And and God says that's that old stuff. And, and there might be somebody listening to me in a, in a room of, of this size, and you're, you're like, Pastor Steve, I'm not even religious like that. Like, I don't, I don't have faith in nothing. Like, I don't. And, and yet, if you were honest with yourself, regardless of where you find yourself, regardless of whether or not you're a regular church attender, regardless of, of whether or not you, you don't believe God exists, you have your own code. You have your own rules that you live by. And those old rules and those, that code is something that you live by for the sake of being able to justify your existence, being able to prove that you belong on the basis of the code that you created for yourself. And God says, that's that old stuff. That's that old stuff. Somebody, you're listening to me, and you, you say to yourself, you know what? 
I can't keep all of this stuff. I can't do all of this stuff. So I'm going to just do my own thing. I know that God is a God of forgiveness. And I know that, that he, you know, that's his character. Only God, only God can judge me. Y'all can't judge me. All of that kind of thing. So I'm going to just do my own thing. And, and God's going to forgive me, right? God says, that's that old stuff. Y'all remember Blockbuster? It's like your favorite Friday and Saturday event, right? Blockbuster. Uh, at Blockbuster, it's, it's a movie rental place. So like before there was ever streaming, there was Blockbuster, right? And before there, uh, there were DVDs, there were these things called VHSs. And you would have to rewind them on the, uh, on the uh, VHS, uh, the VHS, what do you call that thing? The VCR. Snap, snap I done, it, it, we, we done gone far away from, from the VCR. Anyways, praise the Lord. So you would have the, the VCR to rewind, and you would have to go to the Blockbuster in order to see the movie that you wanted to see. And so you would go into the Blockbuster, and you'd go up to the wall, and there would be like several copies of that movie maybe that just had just come out. And, uh, and, and so you'd go up there, and you'd look at the, the case of the movie, and then you'd look behind the case of the movie to see whether or not there was an actual movie for you to rent there, Right. Uh, and, and sometimes you would have to go, you like, man, I really want this. I really want this movie. So I might have to go up to the front and ask. And you had a membership card. And so you'd go up to the front uh, to ask with your membership card. And you'd be like, man, I hope I don't have any late due fees on this thing. My mom is going to be mad at me. Right. And, and then uh, if they didn't, they, they still didn't have the movie. You would hang out by the return box. Y'all remember the return box? And so you just look from the desk and just be like, man, somebody's coming. I wonder if they got my movie, right? I wonder. I really, I wonder, I wonder. Then maybe if, if, if it didn't come back in, in like 20 minutes, because you'd be walking around, you'd be in the horror section, you'd be like, I'm just going to look in the dramas. I wonder if there's some dramas that I might want to see. I don't know. I'm just waiting on somebody to return my movie. And, and then you'd leave and maybe you'd come back a couple of times in, in, in the same day, right? Uh, blockbuster. Blockbuster. Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. There's one. Why is there only one blockbuster? Because it's obsolete. Here's God's word to you and me. You living by your own moral code, trying to make sure that you can justify your existence, that's that blockbuster stuff. God says, I want to give you a relationship. I want to give you a new heart with my spirit to love and know me, to have purpose and identity in Jesus. You don't have to do it on your own. It's been done for you. God's call to you is to cling to Jesus. To that person who's, who's religious and just loves to dot the I's and check the boxes without your heart being connected to God. The author of the book of Hebrews says that's that blockbuster stuff. You like that old stuff. And God wants to do something new in your life. He wants you to be able to obey him 
not just out of duty, but out of delight. Because he gives you a new heart and a new spirit empowered to live and love him and to obey from your approval, not for it. And to that person who says, man, I'm going to just do my own thing because God will forgive me. I'll do, I'll do you know, I, I just got to, only God can judge me and I'll figure it out on the other side. That's that blockbuster stuff. God says, I want to do something new in your life. I want to give you my spirit. I want to empower you. And yeah, on this side of Jesus coming back, it ain't going to be perfect. You're going to stumble forward. But here's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me remind you that the person and work of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life. Friend, get back up and keep running because of grace. Let's not be on that blockbuster stuff because we have a better priest and better promises. It's a new era. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your grace today. We thank you, God, that that's not our story. Even though that's so much of our lived experience, that people's relationships with us has been transactional, uh, that's not the relationship that you have with us. That's not the the covenant that you say you want uh, to be a part of. Uh, You don't just leave us hanging, but you saw us in the midst of us not being able to keep it. You're still the God who is nuclear, and yet we have a priest who has sat down in the presence of God, having completed the work as his sacrifice was perfect and sufficient. That's why we say there is something about the name of Jesus. He reigns supreme. And so, Father, we just counted an incredible blessing We're reminded, I'm reminded of what the old folks used to say, if he doesn't do another thing for me, he's already done enough. Why? Because he he is the greatest gift that I could ever have. That's why if he doesn't do another thing, he's already done enough. And so, Father, we thank you for this new high priest. We thank you, God for these better promises. I pray that even this week, we would be people who go to you in intimacy empowered by your Holy Spirit to sit at your feet and hear the Holy Spirit say, beloved, beloved, beloved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.